Psalms are amazing, the book of Psalms in the Bible. Um, it's a book which is basically the, the songbook of God's people. If you think about it in that way, that's what the Psalms is. It's a book which is filled with songs. People have sung these songs uh, in various languages right the way through time, and we actually capture lots of the words of the Psalms in songs that we sing as well. In fact, we've just sung words that are captured from Psalms. The Psalms that we're looking through this summertime are the songs of creation, songs of God's handiwork. And uh, we read a little bit earlier uh, Psalm 8. We've called it Earth Song. Uh, for those of you who are kind of a little bit older, you'll remember Michael Jackson. You remember he sang a song called Earth Song, so we kind of thought that was, that was pretty cool, really. <laughs> Only, here's the question. Do we sing a better song? Do we have a better song to sing? Songs are incredibly powerful things. They shape us. The reality is if you sit and absolutely fill your mind with a certain kind of genre of song and lyric, you will be changed by it. You will be. Maybe not completely, but it will shape you. you know, if you go out and you drive only listening to thrash metal, you will be an angry driver. <laughs> Songs are powerful things. But the words are powerful as well, and it's amazing how often we've sung about songs uh, about creation outside of the Bible. Let me just read you these four lines. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Louis Armstrong, one of the great songs about the world that we live in. Having said that, those of you who remember Good Morning Vietnam and the opening scenes from that film, you'll remember that that horrific scenery was overlaid with that song. And that captures the very issue that we face, doesn't it? We sing songs about a beautiful world, and yet, as Jackson puts it, we know that the world that we don't live in is a beautiful place. It isn't in so many ways. And yet, paradoxically, we desperately desperately want to sing of beautiful places. Listen to the words from Earth Song by Michael Jackson, only a few of them. What about sunrise? What about rain? What about all the things that you said we were to gain? I think he's, he's, he's got real, a real grip there, hasn't he? Right the way back to what God says to his people right at the beginning. Go and make this world great. What about that? He asks the question. What have we done to the world? Look what we've done. What about the peace that, that, that you pledge? Isn't that interesting? So we've got these songs of beauty and then at the same time crashing into those songs is the reality of our experience. So I ask the question again, are the biblical songs which sing of beauty and creation, 
are they biblical pie in the sky? That is a really important question, isn't it? I don't want us as 21st century people to enter into this book of Psalms with all of its beauty and majesty and just kind of transport ourselves away to a different cutesy place which makes us feel better and kind of put our fingers in our ears, close our eyes, and just pretend that the world is better. We can't do that. So can we still sing these songs? Our our, uh, psalm opens up, verse 1, like this. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory in the heavens. It's amazing words that the psalmist opens up with. As he looks around, he look, I, I, it was written, we understand, by David. don't know when it was written, but I imagine it went something like this. Either he wrote it when he was thinking back, or he wrote it when he was doing this. Out in the blackness of night, as he was watching after the sheep, looking after the sheep, lying down on the ground, looking up, and if you've ever done this, in absolute pitch black with no light pollution, and you look up, and it is an absolutely clear sky, and you are amazed at what you can see. It is breathtaking. It is astounding. Incredible the sight that we're able to see up in the sky, the night sky, when we're not polluted by human-created light. I suspect that that was maybe at least part of the influence for David as he wrote those words. You have set your glory in the heavens. Paul put it like this, much later on in the New Testament, when he was writing to the Romans, he said this, and this is really important for us to hear. He said, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Basically, what Paul is saying is this. There is, for all of us, a moment when we look around and we see the astounding nature of creation, and it forces us to think about the idea of God. It forces us to think about that. It forces us to question these tiny, little, microscopic beings that we are, on this tiny, tiny little planet, in the expanse of this colossal universe, is the, are we the center of it? Is this everything? Is there nothing more? Or is there a greater divine being? That's what Paul is driving at when he says that. We are without excuse. We are without excuse to imagine that we could one day face God and say, I just didn't think about it. And God says, no, you can't say that. Look around, he says. You can't say I just didn't think about it. Just look around. You might not have got all the way to the truth, 
but you can't say you didn't think about it. It's not fair. It's not reasonable. It's not rational to say that I didn't think about it. Because we live in an amazing world. I've mentioned it on a few occasions. I sometimes think we've lost the ability to be shaken by the amazing world that we do live in. I don't know about, I'm a bit of a kind of high mountains. I always dreamed I'd climb high mountains and I'm terrified of heights. Really bizarre. Uh, but I always imagined it'd be great to climb high mountains. It'd be amazing, it'd be incredible to actually go to some of those places and to climb high up and just be amazed at the, the breathtaking landscape. And now we can do it with Google Earth and we can kind of look around and we can see amazing places and there are more photographs now of the world than we have ever experienced in our human life. It's just incredible. I remember once when we were flying back from somewhere, I can't remember, and the, the pilot of the plane that we were flying on, he said, uh, if you just look out of the window now, thankfully it was on my side, it was great. He said, if you just look out of the window now, in the distance you can see the summit of Mount Everest coming out at the top of the clouds. I was, I was giddy. Look, this Mount Everest coming out through the clouds, astounding, incredible, poking out this little bit of ice, breaking through the clouds. And then it just made me think, imagine what it must be like to stand on the top of that and just see the Himalaya rolling out below you, the highest person in the whole of the world, in this astounding, breathtaking landscape, which sadly is now a virtual dump because the number of people who are trying to make their way up Mount Everest and leaving rubbish and gas containers and their waste and dead bodies and wasted tents and everything on this beautiful place. Do you see the contrast? We see beauty and then we mess it up. We live in a beautiful yet damaged world. Or maybe we've got a whole load of folks who really know the Philippines much better than me. But apparently, I'm gonna, I don't know whether I'm going to say it right, but Boracay White Beach. Boracay. Boracay. There you go, should have checked it before. <laughs> was voted by Travel Zoo the most beautiful beach in the whole of the world. It's beautiful. I know it's beautiful because I've seen it online. It's just beautiful. Uh, they've seen it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rub it in, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. What about this beauty? Stefan Banach, Polish, Polish mathematician, he said this. Mathematics is the most beautiful and most powerful creation of the human spirit. That's a different kind of beauty in this world, isn't it? It's a whole different kind of beauty. That might be your kind of beauty. It kind, I get that. The beauty of mathematics, the most powerful creation of the human spirit, I would actually say 
All that we are doing is discovering what is already there. It exists already. The beautiful symmetry of the world that God has created. The consistent laws that that again and again are fulfilled in mathematics because, because they are there and they are written into the world that we live in. We live in an amazing place. And here we are, 21st century, we can say that, but we can also go all the way back and we can join in the praise of the psalmist. Look at verse 3. First thing that we see is praise comes from the recognizing the originator of the beauty, the originator of the beauty. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Isn't that amazing? David's lying on his back looking up and he's, he's imagining the beauty of what he sees and then he says, but but that is there because of the work of your fingers. Does God have fingers? No, of course not. God doesn't have fingers. But the only way that we can describe the creative, amazing capability of the God that we know revealed before us is to use our human language and say, He intentionally did this. He created this shape and this glory and this majesty. And it's as though God took a ball of rock and He rolled it in His hands and set it in the sky. We know that that isn't how it worked out because God doesn't have fingers. But that's how the psalmist gets to it because he's saying, this God who I am singing about is worthy of my praise because that's what He's done. And it's amazing and beautiful and incredible. His, do, you, do you see what it says? Where See the connection there to what Paul says when he says, right up there, before us all the time, is the eternal power and divine nature of God laid out before us. That's it. It's there. That's God's, God's genius laid out in front of us. That is a reason to praise. The next reason for praise is the connectedness, the connectedness that we have with this creation. Look at verse 6. This is talking about human beings. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all, the, all that swim the paths of the sea. It's a theme that we've been looking at over the past few weeks, isn't it? But we're looking at it from a slightly different angle. It, why, do we, why do we go to beautiful places and find them beautiful? Why, why, are we, why are they not alien to us? Why is the world a beautiful place? And standing on the moon is strange and alien. Because God has created us in line with this amazing world. This is our home. This is where we are to be. 
This is why we have desperate concerns for it and emerging, emerging explosions of wonder when we see something amazing because God has made us to love it. I am so glad about that, aren't you? That when we look around and we see something which is beautiful, it is not just a passing so what. But we do find it beautiful. Because we're made like that. We're made to enjoy it. We're made to love it. And there's times when we get so blasé. Because so what? I've seen it on Google. It's not that big a deal. I'm not bothered about go to the coast and see a sunset. I can see a thousand sunsets. Flick, do, just do Google search, sunset, Flamborough Head. I can see as many as you like, right through the seasons in one go. What are we doing there? We're losing our sense of wonder. And we're losing the opportunity for this moment of seeing the beauty to be a springboard for us to say, God, you are amazing. We're looking at those things and we're saying, okay, sunset, come on, do it for me. Make this great. <sighs> Wasn't as good as that filtered image that I saw on Google. We've lost it. We've lost the connection with the beauty of the world that we live in as a springboard for our hearts to praise. Why? Because we don't have hearts that naturally praise. We have hearts that are naturally hard. And God laid out in this psalm, laid out in these psalms, it's as though the psalmists are giving this reminder to say, just keep on praising because of the world that you live in. Not, because it's, not just because it's a beautiful world, and it is, but because it is the very means by which you can jump off from that place and fly in the beauty of the God who made it. That's the opportunity that we have. And it's also the opportunity that we squander. So the psalmist gives us the opportunity to recognize the originator of the beauty and also our connectedness with that creation. He's looking up from a field in Palestine, modern-day Palestine, or Israel, looking up at the sky, seeing by the naked eye moon and stars and maybe some shooting stars, maybe the odd comet. Nothing, nothing like our experience. Where are we today? Because if he had reason to praise as he looked up with the naked eye, how much more have we got reason to praise? Exploding galaxies. You know, one of the things that causes us to get a little bit blasé about beautiful places in this world is precisely because we can kind of go there. 
We can physically fly to beautiful places. We cannot fly to exploding galaxies. We cannot go to the beauty of the world that is beyond our solar system. And yet, in another way, we can. Do you know that most galaxies... You ready for this? Bit of science. Most galaxies are between 1,000 and 100,000 parsecs in diameter. Got that? That is, they are between 3,000 light-years and 300,000 light-years wide. Do you want it a little bit easier? How big's a light-year? How long is a light-year? A light-year is a distance, it's not a light. <laughs> a light-year is how far a beam of light can travel in a year. So, we know in this world that if I shine a light, it instantaneously hits that back wall because it's just so quick compared to what we are used to. Over this distance, you don't see the difference. But galaxies are between 3,000 light years, that switch a torch on, and in 3,000 years it will hit the other side of the galaxy. That's how big it is. That's a small one for 3,000. That's the tiny ones. The big ones are 300,000 light years wide. And they are separated by millions of parsecs. That's millions times three separating them. I can't even get my head around that. I can't even compute that kind of size. That is, that is just numbers. It's just descriptions. It's just things that... And yet, what do we have out there? The Hubble Space Telescope snapped an image this July of Eta Carinae, a supermassive star with red, white, and blue themes flashing in space. Flashing in space. There are some amazing pictures of that. I want to ask the question, why? Why? Why bother? So that His divine power and amazing glory might still stun us today. We might not be stunned anymore by looking up the stars in the sky the way David was, but if we are not stunned by that kind of stuff going on, and the fact that way out there, God is exploding, still exploding galaxies into being, still forming and building and shaping. And it seems it's like this. 5th of November, some of us will wander down to the co-op and we'll buy 
the standard fireworks cheapo box. You know the ones that actually all they are is really bright candles that are different colors. And we'll light them, and the little children that we light them for, why do we do fireworks? Why do we do it? Because we want to see the faces of the little children, don't we, that look at it and are, wow. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. And look at that rocket. It goes all the way to the moon and then explodes. And it's just breathtaking in the eyes of little children. And that is the exploding galaxies in our eyes for God. For God to explode galaxies in space is like lighting a standard firework. And he's saying, look, <laughs> look what I can do. Look at this amazing sight. Isn't it beautiful? You know those, you know those fireworks you've got that you've created? I'm, I love your creativity. It, it kind of matches my creativity, doesn't it? You can make those fireworks shoot off the London eye and go red, white, and blue at the end of the New Year's Eve celebration. Isn't it amazing what you can do? Look what I can do. I can do it in space. Do you see what God is doing? He is saying, share with me in this beauty. Find it a reason to praise who I am. To join me in this amazing spectacle of what I have created. I'm still creating. I'm still doing it. I'm still sucking stuff into black holes and spewing it out and exploding new galaxies and all this stuff is going on. Oh, and by the way, it was... Um, oh, never mind. It's just amazing. That's what's going on. And God is saying, do you see it? I'm doing it so that we can share together. together so that we can share together in my beauty. Why do we light a firework for a little child? Do we light a firework and say, see, you can't do that? Of course not. We light a firework so that they can share in the joy of what we do. So that they can love what we're engaging in. And, and wow and amazed and beautiful and incredible. We don't, we don't do that to lord it over them. And God says, I am never doing this creation thing to lord it over you. I am doing it to share my beauty with you so that you can worship me. Because that is the most joyful thing you will ever experience. And then, the psalmist breaks in, in verse 4, in the middle of this kind of cosmic drama, the psalmist breaks in and he says, what is mankind? that you're mindful of them, human beings, that you care for them. What's God doing? Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being, it says in Genesis. 
in Genesis, that portrayal is the connectedness that we have with the God who created us, and God is saying, I am the breath in your lungs, which is what we sang a few minutes ago. I am the breath in your lungs. I don't know whether the songwriter of that song was thinking about Genesis 2-7. If they weren't, they should have been. Because there we have precisely what God is saying. I am the breath in your lungs. And from that day on, every breath that we take, every experience that we have, because we are made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, we are made to experience joy because we are made in the image of God. To enjoy what He enjoys. To love what He loves. To engage what he, with what He engages with. And the psalmist says, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? And I want to scream out in a way and say, sometimes we do. But look at the world. You know, I go right the way back to Michael Jackson and say, but look at the world. Are you mindful of the world? Look at the world that we, we now live in. Look at the mess. Look at the horror. Look at the fact that we end up living and then dying and returning to the very ground that creation portrays us being born from. What is humankind that you are mindful of us? What? Answer that, please. And God says, you are not ready for that answer, as he writes Psalm 8. But years later, he says, now you're ready for the answer. And the answer is Jesus. How is Jesus the answer to that? Let me read you one verse from John chapter 12 and verse 32, where Jesus says this, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. I've always thought of that in terms of Jesus being lifted up on the cross, which he was, which is the greatest display that we can ever have of how mindful God is of us. What is humankind that you are mindful of us? I'll die for you, he says. But then I realized, even preparing for this, I realized this. Our tragedy is that we return to the earth and Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth. Oh yeah, I'll return to the earth. I'll effectively end up in the grave ready to deconstruct like every human being, but when I am lifted up from that very earth that every human being returns to, when I am lifted up, I'll draw you to me. That's how much God is mindful of humankind. He says, in my death and resurrection, you might not just temporarily bask in the joy that I have. You might eternally bask in the joy that I have. Because I have been lifted up from the earth. The grave could not hold me. 
I have been lifted up. If you trust in me, you will be lifted up. That is the most profound thing, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like in a new earth that is reconstituted by God, but I don't know whether we're going to have to clean it up and be able to clean it up in eternity. I don't know whether it'll, it'll just be transformed in a moment or, so that it's just beautiful in that moment. I don't know. But I hope that one day I might just be able to climb great mountains. I hope one day I might be able to struggle to the top of something running out of breath and as I'm running out of breath think my God created this and we are together forever that is what Psalms of creation are calling us to do to create beautiful pictures of in our mind of what might be in a world which is created for our enjoyment by a God who lights the touch paper on galaxies for our wonder.